You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. Listen, turn with me to John uh, chapter 15. We're going to start there where we left off last Sunday. Still talking about all things are possible, or the God of the impossible. Um, still talking about that. Um, I still have a couple things I need to add uh, to this, this series in order to complete it, and so I'm going to try to do that today. But starting in John 15, where we left off last week, it says this in verse 4, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in, uh, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. When people have fruitless lives, what, what kind of fruit? Well, first, the, the nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, you know, all the fruits of the Spirit, or, or the, just the fruits of being a Christian, you know, um, uh, you know, answered prayer, things happening, supernatural things taking place in your life, supernatural wisdom, direction, uh, overcoming pain, trouble, trials, you know, that you actually overcome it. To overcome something means you, got the, you have the victory. You know, walking in forgiveness, that's a, that's a victory, and that's something that we're called to do, and something that God makes possible no matter what someone's done to you. I know people that have had horrible things done to them when they were children. Uh, I, I, every time I think I've heard the worst story, I hear another one from men and women. And a lot of men are very ashamed of what's happened to them, so they don't speak on it as much as women do. But I've seen them forgive, actually forgive and overcome it and live beyond it. Get a victory over what someone else did to them. Man, it's incredible what, I, what I've been able to witness, and it's, it's miraculous. It's incredible. And, and, and what they thought was impossible to forgive and move on and ever be healed is not impossible with God. Amen? And so, but people that are severed from, they're not in life union. They're not in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, man, they're not producing fruit. He said you won't bear any fruit. So you won't bear any fruit of what? Of your relationship with him. He wants us to bear fruit from our relationship with him. His fruit is supernatural. His fruit is incredible. He's got the best fruit. The best things that ever happened in your life will be because of your relationship with Jesus. But if you sever, you know, you can actually be part of the body of Christ and sever yourself. These people that have said, I don't believe in church. I want to do church at home. And, and just all this ugly stuff and attack on the body of Christ. Man, they're just, they don't even realize how much they're cooperating with Satan. And they're doing it from a religious spirit. Like they're, they're, like they're more righteous and more pure than people who go to church. Because those pastors and those people and there's hypocrites. Yeah, there's hypocrites and there's bad pastors and there's some good ones too and there's bad con uh, congregational members and there's some good ones too but they don't they don't do that at their job they don't stop going to their job because there's hypocrites and you know how I know there's a hypocrite at their job because they showed up you know how I know there's problems at their job because they're there because if there's people there's issues amen but they say these things and, and do these things. Listen, they, they, they are in opposition to God's will. 
You know, and when you sever yourself like that, you're going to not produce fruit. And they, people who do that, I never see real joy. I never see anything good happen to them. They become very, uh, 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 very isolated, and they have their own. They they surround them. They do it on purpose. Uh, they they get they surround themselves in a small, small world. You know why? Because they don't want anybody speaking into their life. They're right, and everybody else is wrong, and that's just the way they're going to keep it, and they don't want to hear any opposition to their thoughts. That's why their world gets smaller. But, man, someone that's serving the Lord, someone that has a great relationship with Jesus, your world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Their world gets narrower and narrower and narrower. But someone serving the Lord, man, your world, just, your world gets bigger. Things happen around you. And, and when, you're, when you're severed, you don't get through issues. You don't overcome and have victories over problems and trouble and trials. And Jesus said, all of us will have trouble. All of us will go through trials. All of us will go through tests. All of us. Every, no one's excluded. No one's excluded in that. But some people come out victorious. Other, people's, other people give into it. And they live that the rest of their life or they give up on life or they give up on marriage. They give up on relationship. They give up on their kids or kids give up on them. I mean, it's just quitting and, and it's down, down, down because they're severed. And listen, if you've known Jesus Christ as your Lord of your life and you've walked away from him, he didn't sever you. You severed him. Because he said, I'll never leave you, forsake you, man. He, he's going to stick. He's, gonna, he's even going to pursue you when you do that to come home and get reconnected, get restored back to the vine and back in relationship. But we can sever ourselves from the, from the vine by either rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord or by not living for him and, and living a surrendered life that we promised to live. Because when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord means boss, master. You know, he's the leader and we're the follower. That we've surrendered our life and chosen to follow him. But you can sever yourself and say, I'm no longer following the Lord. I'm going to follow something else. I'm going to follow the enemy in some form or another. And he said, you won't bear fruit anymore. And I, I tell you, some of the most miserable people I know are people who know better. Who say to me, ah, oh, Pastor, I know I should be in church. I know I should be reading my word. I know, I know, I know, I know. And they're miserable. They're miserable. And Satan's setting them up for a big fall. And I've sat with, guys, I've sat with so many people crying bitter tears. Bitter tears. Pastor, I knew better. My mama told me, my friend told me, my wife, my husband, my, you told me, and my friend, my other Christian friend told me, someone told me, and I just, I just refused to listen. Man, guys, I hate that for anybody. Tears of regret and remorse like that. Man, they hurt my heart because I think we've all had some regrets, amen? And they hurt my heart for people. So don't live like that. Don't ever sever yourself from, from an intimate, a close relationship with Jesus because he goes on to say this, for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am, I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, source of what? Source of all goodness, source of all help, source of all provision, source of every miracle, source of, every, uh, of wisdom, source of knowledge, source of understanding. He's our source of everything. That's how he wants us to live, that he's, the, he's our source. He said, fruitfulness will stream from within you. 
Man, I love that. Fruitfulness will be, it'll just start coming out of your life, and it won't be a trickle. He doesn't call it a drop. He said it'll be a river. It'll be a stream flowing out of you of life, of his stuff, streams of joy, streams of peace. Even when you shouldn't be at peace, but you have peace. Streams of love, that you love people that you never would have loved before. You care when you never would have cared before. You have endurance and patience when you, you, you couldn't wait on a hamburger at McDonald's without being mad. Streams of endurance, streams of kindness. Stream, I mean, they start flowing out of you, and it'll be like a river. Man, rivers, uh, man, they supply a lot of other people and a lot of other things. And that's what he's talking about. Streams will flow out of you, from within you. It starts within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Powerless. Listen to this. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded such as branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you. How does his word, you know, his word can live within you and not be powerful. How, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor Troy? You can know it, but not believe it. There's a difference. I know people who can, I know people who are atheists that can quote the Bible. So that means the power of the word of God is not in them. It's powerless within them. Because they know it, but they don't believe it. Faith is that power. The spirit of faith applied to God's word is what empowers his word to actually manifest in our lives. It's not just knowing it, it's believing it. It's believing that it's true. And that it's not just true for the guy next door, or the person across town. It's not just true for someone in Africa or someone in India. We hear all those stories. It's true for you and me right here, right now in Roswell, America. It's true. It's true for everybody watching online and wherever they're at. It's true for all of us. And he said, powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. You know why God trusts that? Because if the word of God lives powerfully within you, you're going to ask according to his word. You're going to ask according to his word. That's why he said it will be done. If his word lives within you, that means it's alive. You believe it, it's, it's fresh, it, you trust in it, and it's working in you and through you. You really, you trust God's word. He said, you'll ask what you will. Listen, a lot of people, they take these scriptures and they say, well, I can just ask anything I want. That's not what he's saying. He said, you gotta ask, when the word of God lives inside of you, you're gonna line up your asking with his word. A lot of people wanna line up they're at, they want to do it the opposite. God, I'm going to ask for it, and then you got to promise it. Now it's the other way around. you got to find the promise in the word, then you can ask for it. That's how it works. That's where a lot of people get off track, you know, and just think that God's a sugar daddy, just whatever they, he's just going to pour. No, no, that's not it at all. He said, my word, I have to live within you. My word has to live within you. And then, only then, can you ask what you desire, because your desires were lined up with his word. Amen? And when that happens, it's, he, said, he said, man, you got a 50-50 shot. That's coming to pass. He said, you know what? This is a lottery ticket. You ask, and man, I'm going to, up in heaven, he's drawing numbers. 
And you might be the lucky lottery winner. Is that what he said? Did he say, oh, 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 only when I feel like it. Is that what he said? No, he said, it will be done. It will be done. It will be finished. He said, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. You want to find a mature Christian? Find someone whose God's fruit is growing in and out of. That will tell you they're mature. I know eight-year-olds that are more mature than some 38-year-olds. Seriously. They're bearing more fruit. Their prayers get answered. They're bearing all the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, they bear more fruit than some 50-year-olds I know, 80-year-olds I know. Why? Because they trust in God more. They know more word. Not, they, might not know, they might not know more scripture, but they know more word. What do I mean by that is they don't just have a knowledge of it. What they have, they believe. They trust in it. There's power in it. And they're producing fruit. And God said, when you produce, that's, show, that's a mark of maturity. That's a mark, a check mark of maturity. And he said, uh, it glorifies me when you do well. When, good, when, when, when I'm moving in your life, it brings me glory. Doesn't it? When we get answered prayer, it brings God glory. And it should be his and his alone. We should always be thanking God for how good he is to us. And so I, I ended there last week talking about the, that our closeness opens up the impossible to becoming possible. The closer we are to God, the more answered prayer we're going to have. He just said it right there. The closer we live in life union with him, the more that we allow his word to be alive inside of us and, and powerfully operate because we trust it, we believe it. The more we live like he's our source of joy. Your, your wife or husband's not your source of joy. If you live like that, you're going to struggle, struggle, struggle. 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 You know, Julie and I had two significant conversations within a few weeks that, that really took our marriage to another level. One was, you know, Julie grew up without a dad, and so I operated as her husband, but she kind of saw me in that kind of role in her life too. And so I remember I just got tired of it. And I said, baby, I, I don't want to be your husband and your daddy. I just want to be your husband. And I said, you gotta, you, gotta, you got to let that go. You know, she just grew up without a dad. She wanted a dad. She wanted, and so she saw me as, as her husband, you know, but she also saw me kind of like a father figure. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm older than you, but I'm not that much older. <laughs> I was only six when you were born. And so, um, you know, and, and I remember... You know, it just hit her like a ton of bricks because she was still searching for that and, and, and realized right then she had this hole. And so she began to pray. And, and within about three days, I mean, she wept. She prayed. God, had, God healed her and delivered her from that. And, and then uh, uh, because as a result of that, when I would come home in a bad mood, she would get in a bad mood. And I would, I would tell her, I said, when I come home in a bad mood, I don't need you to get in a bad mood. I need you to stay in a good mood. And when I'm mad, I don't need you to be mad too. I don't need my, I don't need my mad making you mad. Because a lot of times she just get mad at me. I'm like, hold on. 
I'm mad at so-and-so, and now you're mad at me. How's this working? And I didn't want my joy to be her joy. I didn't want my mad to be her mad. I didn't want my frustration to be her frustration. I didn't want my down to be her down. So when she got free from that and delivered from that, I'm telling you, man, it set her free. I'd come in and be in a bad mood. She'd go, go ahead, be in a bad mood. I'm just going to be happy. And that would make me mad. I'd be like, I kind of miss you being mad when I'm mad. I want you to join with misery loves company, right? And so, but she didn't do it. And it changed, it changed, it changed her, and then it changed me. She returned and it changed me. It impacted me in a great way. But you know what? Because she wasn't gonna be my source of joy, and I wasn't gonna be hers. Jesus is the source. Amen. Jesus is the source. Go with me to Philippians 2, the book of Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 13. This is so powerful. Mm-mm-mm. It says this, God will continually, man, he said he'll continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what he pleases. To do what he pleases. He'll, he'll continually revitalize you. Here's the thing, though. God won't make you be revitalized. God won't make you be, be revitalized, and God won't make you do his will. But if you ask him, if you rely on him to do that, he will help you. He will help you to fulfill his will. He'll help you to overcome. He'll help you to do these things. He'll help you to be pleasing to him if you ask him to, to help you. So, man, even when we're walking through this and we're believing God for the impossible or the improbable or just something that he promised that, that, should, that is very possible but you haven't seen it in your life, man, you need to ask him, God, on my down days, on my bad on my, my days where I'm struggling, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, revitalize me, strengthen me, and help me to always do what you ask and, and have, have created me to do. Help me to do your will. We need to always ask God for his help. That's how we rely on him as our source. He's not just our source of, of, uh, of, of blessing, but he's our source of overcoming. Jesus said, man, you know, in this world there's going to be trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. He's our source of victory through problems. But we need to ask him, and we need to rely on him as our source of strength, our source of victory, our source of overcoming. In our source of him helping us fulfill our destiny that he created us to fulfill. Not a destiny we want to create, but one he's actually called us to and he opens up doors to, that he's gifted us to do. You know, so many people want to be somebody else or something else than what they've been created to do. You know, I, I know people, they want to be in the ministry so badly, and, and they, they, they really, I don't, I don't see it. That doesn't mean it's not there. I just don't see the gift. I don't see it. But I see a hundred other gifts. I'm like, wow, why would you do what you're so gifted at, at, and what you're called to do? What God's created you to do. Or I, I know a ton of ministers that they don't want to be in the ministry. They want to be, they want to be something else. I mean, it goes, I know bankers that want to be this, and I know construction guys that want to be that. I mean, guys, we, we have to quit doing that stuff and just say, God, 
you, you give me the passion and you give me the strength to accomplish your will for my life. Now, Father, help me. Help me see it. Help me walk in it. Help me do it. We want to see, if you want to see God move supernaturally in your life, these are the principles in which you need to operate by. And, and the, the principle I'm teaching right here is not only God's ability to help us, but the doctrine I call the doctrine of asking God. Because he's not a two-bit dictator. He's not a, he's not a control freak. You, he said that you have not because you... And he also said this, I already know what you're going to ask, but I still want you to ask. That's why I call it the doctrine of asking. Prayer means to ask. Prayer means to ask. I pray thee, God. That means I ask thee, God. And so, man, we need to ask God to help us and ask God to show us how to move in the supernatural when we need God to move supernaturally. And how to just move through the day with his supernatural favor, his supernatural grace, his supernatural help, his supernatural wisdom. All the things from God are supernatural. What does it mean that they're supernatural? They're super compared to what people naturally do. They're supernatural. They're way above what people. That's like me versus Superman. Going to lose that one. And it. God, though this world's way of doing things and God's way of doing things is the difference between me and taking on Superman. And if you want to see the supernatural, these are the principles in which God wants to help us to see. He wants to move supernaturally. He's a father. He wants to do what a father can do. As a father, I want to help all I can. But you know, sometimes my children won't let me speak into their life. Or sometimes they won't take my counsel. And I just have to let them do what they're going to do. Even though I know it's going to be a mistake. And God will do the same thing with you. But then there's other times my kids will say, Dad, what do you think? And I'll give them the principles of the word. And they'll apply them. And it's like, okay, I know good stuff's coming out of that. Good stuff will come out of that. That's how our father is. He said, if, if we being fathers, mothers, are capable of doing good things for our kids, and we're capable of evil, how much more is, a, is God, who's not capable of any evil, how much better a father is he? We need to ask our father. We need to ask him to help us. Help us. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray, deliver us from evil is one of the things he said. Father, deliver us from evil. If you're, if you're suffering from an addiction or something that's hanging on to you, even unforgiveness, that's evil. A lack of humility, that's evil. A lack of confidence, that's evil. Man, ask God to deliver you. Say, God, deliver me from this, these insecurities. Deliver, these, from, deliver me from these fears. Deliver me from this evil. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Because he wants to. Philippians 4.13 says... And I find my strength, I like the passion version of this, I find my strength of Christ's explosive power. I like that word, explosive power, infuses me to conquer every difficulty. The New King James Version says it like this, is more similar to people, or similar to them. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, he, he says his explosive power within us can help us overcome or achieve any issue. Overcome any problem and achieve anything that God has called us to do. Or he has spoken and said he would do it. 
I said to someone just recently, I said, if he did it for one person in the Bible, he'll do it for you too. But if he did it for them, it was because they were in faith. They trusted him as their source, and they believed that what God said was true and that even their own bodies were lying to them. Abraham and Sarah said, my body's lying. My 100-year-old impotent body is lying to me. Because God said, I'll produce a child. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's how Abraham operated in faith. He believed when there was, that when there was no hope, there was zero hope. It says, Abraham still believed God. Man, that faith only comes from having an intimate relationship. That's the only way you can have that level of faith to see those things happen is when you're close to God. God said this, if you draw close to me, I'll draw closer to you. I know how God is. You take one step towards him, he'll take five to you. He, all, he, he never is outdone by us. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to see God move, if you want answered prayer, the way to that is to, be, is to grow closer and closer to God and in, in in closer and closer to his word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. you got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And then the next thing you need to do is you need to wrap your prayers around God's word. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This is just a couple examples I'm going to give you. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through, through uh, 26, it says this. Actually, we're going to start reading verse 23. As, as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed. This is a prayer. Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, and then they quote Psalms, Psalms 2, 1 and 2. They start praying out the word. So when you do pray, when you do ask, you need to wrap your prayers. We all need to wrap our prayers in the Word. We need to wrap our prayers in the Word. So then they pray out psalms. How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers scheming and conspiring together against God and His anointed Messiah. They begin to, they wrap their prayers in the word. Here's one that you might not know. You might not know about this. But in, go with me to Psalms 22. You're going to recognize it when I read it. You're going to recognize who said it. Who prayed it. Psalms 22, 1. You're going to know immediately. It says this. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Who prayed that? Jesus on the cross. Abba, Abba, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me now? He was praying out the word. You know why? You know why he prayed that out? Because he had to fulfill every prophecy. Psalms right here is prophesying about Jesus. And Jesus is on the cross dying for our sins. And he speaks and prays. He prays the word. When Jesus faced Satan, he quoted Deuteronomy three different times. I'm, I'm, guys, listen, we have to wrap our lives in the word and we have to pray out the word. So 
If you're sick, get three or four scriptures on Jesus healing. Man, uh, there's so many. And he went about healing all that were sick and, and oppressed of the devil. I, man, you need to know that scripture. And you need to say, Jesus, you went about healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. So because I'm sick and you healed all, I'm included in the all. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you'll heal me of all my sicknesses. And any oppression that the devil's bringing with you, you'll deliver me from that too. Jesus and the, the believers and the apostles took God's word. We saw just two examples. There's a bunch of other examples. They took God's word and they wrapped their prayer in it. If Jesus wrapped his prayer in the word, we should wrap our prayers in the word. The problem is many times people will say to me, I don't know how to pray. Do you know what they're saying? Is I don't know what the word of God says. I don't know how to pray means I don't know how to I don't, I don't know what the Word of God says. I don't, know, I don't know what it says. I don't know how to pray. First of all, prayer is just a conversation with God. This is a relationship. If you have a good relationship with your father, your, your natural dad, how do you talk to him? You talk to God the way you talk to your natural father. Hopefully, if you have a good relationship with him, then you respect him. So you talk to him with respect. But at the same time, if you have a good relationship with him, you're not afraid to ask him for anything. My kids ask me for stuff. I'm like, I've already said no. <laughs> Ten times. That don't stop them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I could tell you some stories. If I've said, that's not going to happen in my house. And they're like, oh, well, Dad. I'm not, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about stuff. I mean, you talk to your heavenly father the way you do your natural father. And God says this. He said, listen, if you consistently pursue me in the story with the widow woman pursuing an evil judge, he said, if she got her answer from an evil judge and she just persisted, she did never give up. She kept asking and asking and asking and asking. He said, how much more will her heavenly father, a holy God, give you what you're asking? But he said, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. When you get a scripture, when you get a word from God on something, you got to pursue it, man. My kids don't hesitate. They'll keep asking and asking and asking. They wear you down. Anybody been worn down? They just wear you down. It's like, okay. You're mad because you don't really want to do it, but you just give in. God's saying, if you keep asking and knocking and seeking, he said, right, eventually he's just going to say, okay. When you know his words, you know him. When you know his promises, you know what he's already spoken to you and what he's already promised. We need to wrap our prayers in the word. But that's not where it stops. That's not where we need to stop. Um, go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, they call in prison, one time I was in prison, they called, they said, Big John or Little John? I said, well, I said, which one's which? They said, well, Big John is John, and Little John is 1 John and 2 John. I said, okay, Little John. 
It's little, we're going to little John. Little John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this. Since we have this confidence, what confidence? Well, right above it is talking about the confidence we have that we know we're saved. You know, there's religions that teach, oh, well, you never know till you get in front of God if you're going to make it or not. Oh, that's, listen to what he says in the verse above it. I've written this letter to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you will be assured. Everybody say assured. And know without a doubt that you have eternal life. And anybody who tells you that, man, that's a false religion. That's from Satan to keep everybody guessing that God's always keeping us guessing if we're saved or not. No, it, it makes it real clear. Verse 14, since we have this confidence, what confidence? That we're saved, that we're right with God. We can also, so this is an also. So we have this confidence that we're saved and we're right with God through Jesus Christ. But he said, now there's an also. Uh, because of that, he said, we, also, we, we know, ah, I missed it, that we, are, that we have this confidence. We can also have great boldness. Everybody say boldness. Before him, for if we ask anything agreeable to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request we have asked of him. Man, confidence is faith. When you know you're saved and Jesus is the Lord of your life and you're living in life with him, you're doing life with Jesus as your source, he said, man, you can ask what you will. Why? Because he knows that you're going to ask according to his will, according to his word. And when you ask according to his word, you're not twisting his arm to heal you. You're not twisting his arm to bless you. You're not twisting his arm to help you. He's already promised to do it. You don't have to twist my arm to do something I already said I would do. A lot of people like, God, you know, please, I'm begging. You don't have to beg when he already promised it. You just have to believe. You have to have a confidence that the one who promised will do what he said he'll promise. Well, Pastor Troy, it's been two years. Wait, keep waiting. Man, let, God, let God's timing be God's timing. Amen? Our faith, we just got to stay in faith. He said through faith and patience we inherit all of the promises of God. All of the promises. Last verse we're going to look at as we close. Oh, man, where do we go? Go with me to Mark chapter 11. So many. Mark chapter 11. We're going to close with this. I see people looking at their watches. Time to go. Time to go, Pastor Troy. I'm, I know, I know. We're getting out of here. In the morning, they passed by the fig tree that Jesus spoke to. What did he do? He spoke to it. And it points it out. It, it makes a point to say, man, that's that tree Jesus spoke to. And what did he speak? He spoke a curse. He said, I curse you by the root. Otherwise, you're never, ever going to be alive again. And that's why when I spoke over arthritis, I said, I, spoke, I speak to you the way Jesus spoke to the fig tree. You're never coming back again. You'll never produce fruit in those people's lives again. Why did I do that? Because I wrapped that prayer in the Word. Matter of fact, if, you, if, you go, if you're recording this, you go back and listen to that prayer, you're going to find multiple scriptures in that prayer. Because that's how you pray. You, you, wrap, you wrap your prayer in the Word. Because when you pray in the Word, you're praying His will. When you pray His will, you have a confidence that you know if He promised it and He said it, He will do it. 
is Jesus spoke to it, and it was completely withered up from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, that's the fig tree you cursed. It's now all shriveled up and dead. He's shocked. He's so surprised. Jesus replied, Let the faith of God be in you. I mean, he didn't say it like, Well, let the faith of God be in you. No, if you look at the, the grammar of that, he looked at him and said, let the faith of God be in you, Peter. He's speaking it to him. It's authoritative. It's like, boy, of course it did. Let the faith of God be in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. Let the faith of God be in you. He spoke it then. He's still speaking it right now to me and you. Then he tells us what the faith of God is like. This is how the faith of God operates. Listen to this powerful. Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea, and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it, and it will be yours. Praise God. When you believe that God's word is true, he said, you need to speak it out of your mouth. You know, one of the scriptures that I speak over, over uh, my family and over your family, if you're surrendered, I don't even have to know your name. If you, have, if you have submitted to the spiritual authority of this church, I'm speaking over you every day. And I speak what Jesus said. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and abundant life. I say this over you and over my family in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you said you came to give life and abundant life. I speak life to their bodies, life to their minds, life to their spirits, life to their family, life to their children, life, life to their finances, life to their life to their jobs, life to their relationships, life to their marriages. And God, I don't just speak life, I speak abundant life. Because Jesus, you said it then, and it's true today, and it'll be true tomorrow. Life and abundant life. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Just in closing, I want to say this to you. Like a cold, faith can be caught. Jesus taught faith, but only those who caught it actually operated in faith. You can be taught faith, but you got to catch it. One of the ways you catch it is you hang around people that have faith. You hang around with people that have a spirit of faith, you'll get a spirit of faith. You can catch it from people. Abraham gave it to his kids. Moses gave it to Joshua. Woo, David gave it to his mighty men. They were, they were down and out. And then they got around David, and they caught. They got a cold called the spirit of faith. And they, got, they caught faith, and they all of a sudden became the mighty men. They did, they did supernatural stuff. Why? Because they were around someone that had faith. They caught it. The apostles and the disciples caught it from Jesus. They caught the spirit of faith from him. Why didn't you rebuke that storm? Why, ye of little faith, you know what? 
You need to have the faith of God. I mean, he's always teaching them about faith, and he's trying to get them to catch it, to grab a hold of it, believe it in their heart, begin to speak it and pray it, and see God move supernaturally. Man, I don't want to ever live my life without seeing God supernaturally move in my life. He moves supernaturally for me all the time. He does it all the time. And I hang around with people that have a spirit of faith. I, try, I, hang, around, I, don't have, I don't hang around with people that have a spirit of doubt. I'll talk to them and try to encourage them. But who I hang out with is people that have a spirit of faith. That speak faith to me and over me. And I speak faith to them. And we catch it. It's like sneezing on each other. Achoo, achoo. And you're, they're going, yeah. That's gross. <laughs> if you know me, oh, I don't drink after anybody. I don't, not my family, not my grandbabies. No, but I, I, I don't even know why I said that, but that's gross. But, I, but listen, you got you to want that spirit of faith. You got you to you want it. Listen, every eye closed. We prayed for miracles in this house, and there's miracles of salvation. Man, there's, uh, every, everyone that's saved is a miracle. All of heaven rejoices over it. Everyone that comes home that's run away, all of heaven rejoices over it. There's only two times in the Bible that we see all of heaven rejoicing when people do certain things, and that's when people, someone gives their life to Jesus for the first time or comes home and says, I'm sorry, I ran away. You didn't run away from me, I ran away from you. And I'm coming home, and I'm sorry. And I'm coming home to stay. I'm coming home to stay. And so if you've never prayed and surrendered your life, to, this God's a, He's a supernatural God. You might say, well, why is all the evil in the world? Well, the, the evil in the world is not from God. God says, I neither tempt with evil, nor am I tempted by evil. He's never tempted by evil to do evil, nor does he do evil. Where does it come from? People and Satan. And Satan's done a great job lying to so many people that God's the taker of life, that God's the, he's the one that gave you that disease, that sickness, that he made your parents do what they did to you. He made you do this and made them do that and made them break your heart and made this trouble and made that war over in Israel. No, I tell you, that's people cooperating with Satan that is causing all the evil in the world. All of it. Every good and perfect gift is from God. If anything ever good's happened to you, that was a gift of God. Gift. You didn't earn it, he gave it to you. I don't know why I answered that question, but there might be someone in this room that's thinking, what, what about this, what about that? There's your answer. Satan's done an incredible job of having everybody accuse and point fingers at God for that. Why didn't he stop it? Because he's not, a, he's not a too big dictator. I said it before. He's not a control freak. He wants a relationship. In relationships, people get to choose what they do. We're not robots. We're not computers to be programmed. He gave us a free will. But there's coming a day where he'll, he'll put a stop to all the evil. It's coming a day. 
There's coming a day when all of us will stand before him. And those that don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus, otherwise you've never asked him to forgive you. You've never asked God in Jesus' name to forgive you of all your rebellion against God. Because every time you do something in opposition to God's word, you're in rebellion to God. That's called sin. Every time you justify it, you're in greater rebellion. Jesus came and died for our sins. He proved that he loved you by dying for you. He proved that he was the Lord Jesus Christ by, by being raised from the dead and being alive. He proved those two things. Now you have a choice because he gave you one. Gave me one. You can choose heaven or hell. You can choose life or cursing or death. You can choose, bless, you can choose blessing or cursing. Your choice. Your choice. You can choose God or Satan. Because there's only two, two entities operating. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Antichrist. You get to choose which one you follow. Your choice. Your choice. But God appeals to you by His love. By His sacrifice for us. His compassion to us. That he would die and take on our sins. Pay our price. Yours and mine. And if you believe that, and you want to you pray that out, you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Instead of to this ugly world. It doesn't mean your life will be problem free, but you'll overcome it if you'll count on him. If you'll rely on him. You'll see him move supernaturally in your life. You'll live out of destiny in this, in this life and you'll live and on purpose and you'll, you'll live in heaven forever with us. All those that believe with him. So if that's you and you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Or maybe you've known him and you ran away and you just need to come home. Let's pray right now. Either one of those. Online, on the count of three, if that's, if that's you, just send us a message online saying, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I need to get right with God, then put it down. Right after that, we'll pray right where you're at. Right where you're seated. Right where you're at online. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand and say, it's me. Thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. So many. Let's pray. Let's pray, church. Let's all pray together with all these online and all these here. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God in God alone. And you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And you proved that you love me. You love us. You proved that you are Lord of lords and King of kings. That you are who you say you are. God. And I believe that. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all of my rebellion against you. All my sins. 
that have violated your word and your heart. And I receive by the blood of Jesus your forgiveness of all my sins. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I surrender my life to you. And I receive your forgiveness in the Holy Spirit. And I thank you now by the Spirit in your word. You teach me how to live with passion and purpose, your purpose, until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for how good he is. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.